0: To find simple ways to boost your true wealth.
1: Welcome to the show. This is Crystal Arnold, your hostess and founder of Money Wise Women. So let's imagine here today what a more intimate economy would look like. And I imagine people sharing with greater transparency, um, authenticity, and being um, really connected in meaningful relationships. And this is contrast to our current economy, which is more um, extractive and dare I say um, slightly abusive as well in the way that it um, is is really a lot about secrecy and power over And so I am so pleased to meet um, so many of the leaders including the two women we have on today, who are championing champ, champions of this uh, vision of how we can, Invest in a more meaningful uh, way together to really leverage our money, our resources, our relationships to create the impact that we want in the world. And um, just so amazed at the power when women in particular come together to take a stand to say that I am aligning my values with my money and uh, we are creating opportunities to invest in new ways, to bank in different ways, to really um, reclaim the power of uh, not only exchange and how we choose to exchange and, um, but, but also the power of feminine leadership. And how we show up in our families, in our communities, and create space for these transformative conversations. And so this is exactly what our guests are um, doing. And so I am so excited to have um, two sisters on today, which is very special. Um, And so we have Annie and Lisa Hodges. And I'll start with telling you about Annie, who is uh, based in Washington, D.C. And she is engaged in, uh, you know, with places and stories, both the new and the old, that serve human connection and healing. And currently you'll hear Annie's voice most loudly at the intersection between community building, systems of shared value, generative good between sectors, and creative solutions for economic sustainability. And her sister Lisa is the founder of the Shift Project, which aims to help young people match their money with their values and reclaim their personal power as investors no matter how much they have. She's passionate about bringing impact investing to a broad audience to fuel a better world. And these two uh, women are, you know, in the millennial generation and really taking a lead and uh, really creating impact through um, both the conversations they're having um, around impact investing and uh, just their brilliant insights into what is possible in, in, um, Uh, when we connect in a more intimate way in the economy. And so, uh, yes, let's see. Ladies, I would love to hear, um, you know, what really excites you most about the work that you are doing? Hi, Crystal.
2: This is Lisa speaking, and thank you so much for having us on. We're so excited to be having this conversation. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this question, and I think about how so often when you ask people about their money and how they feel about their money, you often get answers like, ugh, I don't want to think about that. I have no idea what my money is doing. I don't understand how the financial system works. I don't possibly – I can't possibly have enough money and, and part of my work is transforming all of those icky feelings into something more positive. And, you know, I think especially for people who are listening to this podcast, you know, we're all really intentional about the things that we buy and the way that we vote and, you know, what we put into our bodies. And I think there's something so powerful about making your investments a part of that. And realizing that your investments can also be intentional and they can also be this really positive force for change.
1: Mm, Thank you, Lisa. I know it really is a frontier of consciousness is is the money stuff. Um, Yes. Annie, would you like to share? Sure, yeah. Um,
3: So this is Annie. Thanks so much for having us in this conversation, Crystal. There's obviously so many topics. We have synchronicity um, and you'll also see that our voices sound the same, so it'll be fun <laughs> to have sisters that sound the same kind of go. We, can, we always call ourselves redundant because we can just say the same thing at the same time. It sounds the same. Um, so what excites me most about what I'm working on is I, I try to use this framework. Um, it was given to me by Orland Bishop about understanding the difference between innovation and building futures, and um, innovation meaning something that we're iterating upon the past what we've done what we've learned from a lineage of what's happened and building futures is kind of breaking with that learning like taking the lessons we've learned but breaking with it and designing anew and the reason why we've come to this place is because we've come to a lot of huge massive interconnected issues in our world and within our own internal worlds, and we need new ways to address them that we we, as we enter this period of uncertainty um, with glee and (laughs) humility so I'm excited about being in spaces, in conversations, building new homes and places that we spend time in that can help us be designers of of different futures to kind of enter new mindsets where we can um, have more love in our hearts and uh, focus on the things that are most important, like our family and our friends uh, and our connection to Earth.
1: Wonderful. it is such an exciting, invigorating uh time to be young women like stepping up and mm-hmm. and really saying what will create the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, and I just love the really practical steps you ladies are taking towards that let's Let's dive right in with a really um you know uh intimate topic of your own uh, his family money history because as many listeners probably realize it really greatly influences us you know our um, money past and the messages and that were passed on from our family about money and I just find it so inspiring the way that that you've used um, the kind of challenges and unique family history that you have to then um, bring these gifts forth in your work. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, this is a great question. One of our
3: favorite <laughs> topics. And um, least <laughs> favorite. And <family's> favorite, right. <laughs> Essentially, it, it, you know, we you can't talk intimately about money and not address your family and the the both the traumas and the benefits that you know you've been born into and with. And Lisa and I have had a really interesting journey in this um, that has been both painful and also really blessed. Uh, our father gave us money to go to grad school, um, and we both decided that that wasn't what we wanted to be doing and how we wanted to be investing in our own education and kind of way to move forward with our careers and our ways to learn so we were faced with this amazing um, allotment of money, and we had to not only face where it was invested, what it was invested in, looking at different you know oil, different type of like really Um, S&P 500 investments that had no screening, um, no bearing on if it was helping the world. And we also had to, more importantly, look at the traumas of where this money came from in our family, Um, what my father had, you know, my father worked a lot, the sacrifices he made, but also looking back to his lineage and where he was born. He was born in Arkansas into a much different life than my sisters and I have been born into and um, carrying that trauma of when he, you know, didn't have enough and, watching him you know, be in the American dream and, and rise to this incredible blessing that now we got to experience and have a totally different life. And so um, inheriting that money, we had to face all of the good and all of the bad. Um, and for me, it was especially traumatic to deal with the privilege. Um, I really didn't understand why I had things that other people didn't. Um, I hadn't done anything differently than other people. I was just born. And so uh, dealing with the privilege it was a, it was oppressing to me to be an oppressor and to be a part of a system that was keeping other people down. Um, so Lisa and I have had also the blessing of meeting a lot of healers and incredible leaders in this field to help us address this and to really shift the way that we invest our money, the way that we talk to our family about money, um, and the way that we we prioritize in our lives. Um, not you know money doesn't come first um, and, and our love does. So we've watched a lot of healing in that and it's been quite an incredible journey Um, and we're blessed to be able to even talk about it and get to, you know, explore that pain.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Thank you for sharing that Hmm. because I feel like the more that we can openly speak about these sensitive topics, um, a lot of healing does occur because so many people are ashamed, whether they grew up with a lot or not much. <laughs> it's like uh, every, from all spectrums of financial status, people have some some kind of suffering and pain and shame and fear around that. So, just to really be willing, I just um, encourage listeners too to be like be willing to share your money story in a safe way with someone who, um, can, can really, you know, um, receive that and still love you. And, uh, and just the the freedom that comes when we're willing to really be authentic in that way is, is powerful. Mm. (sighs) Um, so let's talk about um, so coming from money and then having these, you know, t- tell us a little bit about, like, the transformative decisions that you've made to leverage your money and to, you know, find a value-aligned uh, investing through this impact of investing and and that kind of journey.
2: Yeah, Um This is Lisa again and I I just wanted to actually just call out like Annie has been such a transformative force in our family and was really the one that kind of forced us to look at this even though like no one in my family wanted to and it is so one of those things like anything else where it's just so much more painful not to deal with it you know and I think money in particular for whatever reason and that's you know, we could have a whole podcast discussing why it is, but money just holds this huge capacity you know, to corrupt or to be an amazing tool. And I, I totally agree with you, Crystal. Like, I think everyone, it does not matter what your financial situation is, can do with some healing around money and your money stories and your family's money story. So I just wanted to call that out. Um, yeah, and and for us in particular, I think – there were a couple things that were really important. You know, once we decided, okay, we're going to really think about how we want to invest this money and we, what we want it to do for us and for our family. Um, and I think maybe this seems obvious, but uh, we just didn't accept any of the default options. So, you know, for us, going to grad school kind of seemed like the default. I was thinking about going to business school, and that's what sort of everyone was advising me to do, and I took the GMAT, I applied to schools, and then I really grappled with it and visited these schools, and my intuition was screaming at me, like, don't do it, that is not the right path for you, right, business school is amazing for so many people, and for me it just wasn't, and I could feel that if I was to go, it would I would be so much more likely to want to pursue a sort of mainstream career path, and maybe need to, because I would have spent all this money on the education itself. Um, And so, you know, and the same thing with once we decided not to go to school, um, how to invest that money. And, you know, if you ask 90 out of 100 people, they're going to tell you, you know, similar things and just kind of invest it, as Annie mentioned, just like really broadly in the market. Um, And, you know, maximize your return. Of course that's what you're going to do. And we were sort of willing to say, wait a minute, like – what, is there something else we could be doing? And, you know, I don't want to just put my money in default investments. That doesn't feel very good. And even do I have to make, beat the market, or am I willing to kind of look at making a little bit less if that means putting in something that makes me feel really good? So that's one huge area. And then we also were really aggressive about finding help, as Annie mentioned, and, I, you know, we – I mean, we went to conferences, we talked to financial advisors. We went to a, a coach who just works with money issues, and we were so intent on finding a support team of people that we really jived with you know and it was like, we want our financial advisor, and we found uh, a woman, Gina Pentracy, totally happy to call her out because she 's amazing, who like I want to be friends with her for life you know we want to hang out with her in our spare time you know so finding that right partner was so huge for us because especially because we want to do things that are potentially unconventional and she also specializes in
1: impact investing mm. that's a really important point because uh yeah i just see the benefits of you reaching out for that professional support because a lot of people can't even make it that far you know they're so um feeling like so ashamed that they don't know what they're doing that they just want to leave the investments where they are and not feel you know like they're stupid about money or all these things Uh. that come up so good for you to take that initiative
2: Can we just jump on that for a second? Yeah,
1: Lisa's got a great. Yeah, I have a
2: diatribe. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good Um, thing. You know, and I think, you know, Crystal, I know you've talked a lot about um, women and money in particular. And I think this is such a a big issue here, which is that finance, personal finance, investments, it is a masculine culture. And it's a culture that completely discourages asking questions exploring being curious right it's a culture of like you have to know you have to be the expert and I, it I think it just does us such a disservice that we first of all ignore our own intuition and our own innate knowledge for what's right for us um, it, you know it's like it's like um, Western medicine where you know you have to go to a doctor and they may or may not listen to your own personal symptoms right like Your own experience of your body is less important than what they think, even if they've talked to you for five minutes. And so I I think this is especially harmful for women, right, because we already come in with so much prejudice against us. Um, You know, I majored in math in college, and I was always like one of, you know, three to five girls in the class. And I was petrified to answer any questions because I was like, if I answer this wrong, I am speaking for all women. And people are going to assume that, like, women suck at math because I answered this one question wrong. And, it, you know, I just think that filters through everything in the financial system, and it's, it's such a shame.
3: And results in these overly complicated financial products to make it seem like you can't understand them, even if you tried. So that when you yeah. do attempt to look it up and don't understand, you're like, I guess I'm just dumb. I guess I just don't understand it. And I guess I don't know better.
1: Totally. Right. And this complexity to the financial system, you know, I studied economics and there is just the way they've, you know, the the stock market and the complexity of the trading and all these things that really, um, you know, take away from the basic um, function of the economy to um, care for one another at its most Mm -hmm. like basic spiritual sense is that Mm -hmm. this is how we exchange to care for one another and where we express our needs and offer our gifts and this kind of sacred Mm. marketplace that's been totally distorted into a profit making machine. And uh, yeah, just to hear Mm -hmm. like this way that, we are bringing, um, a new story forth that is, um, human centered and about, you know, this kind of love and care for one another and how we steward the earth and our waters and these really, um, important, uh, resources together. So, yes, Mm -hmm. I, I really agree there. Um, So are there any other common struggles that you see that um, women have with money?
0: How much time Um, do you have? Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Annie, do you want to, I don't know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, just not feeling enough, not feeling worthy, and sort of the scarcity that's embedded in money that we then internalize. I don't know.
3: Yeah, well, so <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> one one could could see that um, if m- women are going to be told they're not good enough and less than and have been for a long time, as is our patriarchal system. And so I think that as money has evolved and our cultures have evolved, they've also interwoven and embedded in each other and kind of gotten tangles in a lot of ways. And so we're um, at this point where sometimes we can't see the difference between how money plays out in our system and how our patriarchy plays out of the dominance over. And so I think oftentimes women have gone underground and um, become part of uh, like small communities with friends and family kind of in whispered Mm -hmm. and hushed tones speaking of these other ways of being and motherhood obviously being another big one where we kind of don 't really speak about the power of what it means to like raise children, and I think that women have intentionally not tried to make it so mainstream all the time because it's so sacred and blessed, and we don 't want to bring it out in the in the harsh limelight of our kind of patriarchy dominant system um, to for it to be be made unsacred. and so I think this has to do with money in the sense that and women with money that we are now also in this unique opportunity. Um, I mean, we str- as much as we struggle, we are also thusly the the leaders of, of seeing a new way. And kind of, um, I feel so excited to feel like with my sister and my closest friends being a part of these new waves where we're, we're getting to speak out because of, of, of the privilege of where we are in the evolution of, of humanity and technology and the power that women now have to, to speak about the things that we've learned from being oppressed all these, you know, a really long time. Um, and there was such a wisdom that has built around money and what's important and how to redirect. And so maybe to flip that the struggle that we have is actually also our greatest gift. And I think at this moment for us to be speaking about that is, is really exciting
1: and powerful. Mm. Wow, that is, that is so <laughs> profound, this. Um, because you know speaking to this unpaid all the unpaid unseen work that the women do Mm -hmm. the the tending to the house and the children and how incredibly valuable that is but it's not measured and it's not given a price tag and so um, it's, it's so often undervalued and and then women internalize that you know being a stay-at-home mom for several years, I, I really felt that difficulty of my own self-worth when I wasn't receiving, mm. you know, money for my work. It was just, mm. um, I, it is definitely a a healing to become more visible and, and claim our, our value as, as women. Mm.
3: I, I think about that a lot in terms of, the like, bringing it back to kind of a really tangible example of the resume of how, It's to me seems totally insane that women leave out child rearing or men as well (laughs) for taking care of youth, as 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 if it doesn't show so incredibly well. Somebody's able to deal with that amount of uncertainty, that amount of like dealing in the moment, flexibility, you know, commitment, tenderness, like all these different things to keep someone alive and to make them, you know, a functioning human is so difficult and so. And mm-hmm. so sacred, and so you know, if that was a a highlight on a resume, I was thinking about even for me, you know, I've, I don't have any children, but just to put my relationships and the and the time that I put into them, and the sacrifice of other things that I haven't done to prioritize, you know, people close to me as a you know leverage of like this is why I can do this work, this is why you know you should trust me um, instead of kind of like I had this internship, where I worked here for a few years, you know, <laughs> those other things that we like to to value that are not necessarily reflective of what we what value we are adding.
2: Yeah, kept yeah. child alive for ten years. <laughs> right. Shout right. to my mom. The That's quite an accomplishment. <laughs> right. You don't yeah. hand the kid a
1: bill when they're eighteen I and mean, be like, you owe me big time.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and this is really uh, yeah. uh, How, you know, how I created the true wealth template so that we could acknowledge, yes, there's financial wealth, which is measurable and tangible. And then there's also our inner wealth, which is our skills and abilities and emotional intelligence, Mm. all of that. There's relational wealth, which you were just to. And then there's also environmental wealth. And to really have a more holistic picture of our value can kind of alleviate some of this fear of survival and not enough and this poverty mm-hmm. consciousness that so many people are in because they aren't like winning at the money game the way that the mainstream story tells them, but they may actually have a very rich you know, network of relationships and families and and other capacities. Um,
0: so, mm.
1: yeah. Anything All else that. you'd like to say about like the importance of kind of redefining wealth and and it really taps into an issue of security, right? Money is kind of about mm. the root chakra and meeting our basic needs and and so how how does having these conversations expanding our definition of what's valuable really help people take better action with their money? Mm. Great question. Yeah, that's
2: a great question. I, you know, something you just said crystal sparked for me. I was just, I've just been thinking about how, you know, I'm building a business right now and, and all I do all day every day is think about and talk about money. And I found myself falling into the same trap where, you know, if, because I'm not quite sure yet how that business model is going to shake out. And I found myself and still do like, you know, being really judgy about it and deciding like, Oh, I guess I'm not very successful and I should be ashamed because like using money is the only barometer. And it's like so easy to fall into that trap. you know. And I don't know. It's so, it's so ironic, right? Like the, this is part of the message that I am trying to spread. And here I am doing the same thing to myself. So I, you know, I just, Maybe it's just an acknowledgement that this is hard work. And we're, Annie and I have a teacher that talks about this work as unspelling, you know, and we are unspelling such powerful, deep rooted stories. And it's, you know, it's not something you just like learn and then check we're healed.
3: You know, it's a process.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Definitely (laughs) a process.
3: I love that unspelling, that idea has been really useful to think of money in that way. Um, because especially when it comes to money and, and scarcity, I feel like, or and security, sorry, it's it's equated, right? Like money has become what our security is. And I think that's what I saw and like what we saw growing up, we had – There was money, and and yet we didn't always feel secure in certain ways, right? We were lucky enough to be physically secure and all these, you know, emotionally secure with our mother and all these amazing things, but we saw that there were great gaps in that. There was traumas and other things arose, like addiction. And so we were forced to kind of, you know, what what are other forms of security? And, you know, what's going on there? And so as I've kind of, you know, looked into money and looked behind the veil and, and tried to understand that spell, I, you know, I think this comes back to scarcity and this idea that you know, more for me is less for you and that whatever I have means that, you'll, that we can't share and that's embedded in our story of money. It's embedded in the traumas we've inherited of you know, this past century and more. And so we're, we're getting to the bottom of what's at our money system that is allowing us, that's keeping us quiet from talking about it and making it seem like if I, you know, if I keep quiet and just do what I do by myself, then I'll have enough and I might be able to survive and be secure, rather than seeing our security as an interwoven that more for me is more for you, that if you're going to do well, I will also do well. Um, and, that, and as I, you know, as we start investing our money into what, to what we feel like is more aligned with a real sense of security, you, you have something that's much richer and you have a lot more wealth, like you were talking about, like you don't have a poverty of the soul anymore um when i know that there are people there that, that are that are with me that that there's an abundance of us working together and and relying on one another as a kind of you know paradigm shift between being scarce and abundant mm. yeah mm-hmm. i
2: i will never forget i networked my way into a conference for the super wealthy and i have never been in an environment with more fear and the fear like people were talking about like the the topics of conversation were fear of losing their money and like jokes of inherited money to the generations of like the everyone knows the fourth generation loses all the money and you know it was like crazy to be in a room with so much wealth and yet such a mindset of scarcity and fear you know and it really like it really stayed with me and i think you know crystal you mentioned um, asking us about why do we you know, plan some of our work in groups? And I think a, such a big part of it is just helping people remove that shame of feeling like, oh, I am so much worse off than other people and I don't know what I'm doing and couldn't possibly. And I think there's a, this really powerful thing happens when you are sitting with a group of people that are all there supporting each other in you know, other ways maybe than financially, right? But um, they're all there looking at you in the eye and you can, you know, start to un- unknot some of that, that shame
1: and fear that you might have. Mm. Yes, yes, so many things. Um, you know, so the models of, as, as you were speaking, like of uh, mutual self-interest. Where do we find that common ground that is, um, you know, mutually beneficial, like, you know, in Standing Rock was so galvanizing for people Mm. to come together and say, this is our water, water is life. And this Mm. is where we draw the line and take a stand. And this is too valuable to um, just let individuals and corporations um, extract the value and profit from our communities. Um, you know resources, and so I feel like also the cooperative models with um, are, are really an effective way to have stakeholders and and really have that um, each individual's genius is then able to contribute and find. Right placement and right livelihood within kind of an organism, um, you know, which is a cooperative or or some you know intentional community or family, even um, where there is kind of a mutual respect and uh, cooperation and you know really speaking values and and coming into greater alignment um, together, and that's where our power is. It's when, when we're kind of self-aware. Where activated individuals and then able to come together in these groups and and really speak about what is most valuable and and that's that's actually what I would mm-hmm. like to dive into um, uh, next. Let's take a short break and then I would love to hear more about the group work that you're planning with these living room um, finance conversations and. Uh, and talk about the power of that uh, conversation. So we'll be back in just a moment.
4: Do you get choked up and flush talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen. A budding, creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at findyourmoneyvoice.com.
1: We are back with Lisa and Annie Hodges and just having a delightful conversation and imagining uh, what is possible in this emergent economy of mutual respect and shared um, cooperative endeavors and uh, really, you know, acknowledging the scarcity and fear and that mainstream uh, messaging, which really keeps us um, enslaved in this mindset where, um, you know, endless growth is, is the purpose, more is better. So there's like this craving that happens it's like designed right into the economy and the way money is produced and and then internalized as as people feel that they are not enough and there is this chronic scarcity which leads to competition isolation shame uh, guilt and just a variety of challenges which keep us out of our power And so I really, um, I want to hear more about, uh, your vision for these living room finance meetings and, and why you feel that it's so powerful to share our stories and have these intimate, uh, quality conversations to really shift, uh, the story of scarcity and bring about this new economy. Great.
2: Um, so you were totally singing our song there with when you were talking about worker cooperatives and sort of thinking about alternate finance structures that kind of match all of the stuff that we've been talking about, like feelings of abundance and cooperation and measuring other things besides just wealth. And I think this is something that Annie and I have both been geeking out about quite a lot recently in our own ways, and um, I actually want to talk to you about community development banks, which is my new favorite thing. Great,
0: um,
2: if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so taking it from this really this like important, deep, abstract discussion into okay, like well, what does that mean? What can I do? Um, and one of the things that Annie and I both came to actually independently. Um, was this idea that we wanted to start with discussions around banking because most of us, and probably almost all the people, if not all, listening to this podcast have a bank account, which means you are an investor and you have power in what you do with those dollars. And most of us are probably banking by default with a big bank. Um, And there's actually this whole alternative banking infrastructure that's in place that I didn't know about until I started this journey. Um, and there are banks. It's called community development banks. And they were started in the 70s actually in response to redlining. So in response to these horrible practices that were in place that were basically um, you know, removing entire populations of people, mostly African-Americans, from access to banking services. And in response, the government decided to fund this whole new type of bank, um, community development banks. And they their charter, their mandate is to invest in communities that are underserved by big banks. So they're working in cities and in rural um, areas across the country. And they're investing in minority-owned businesses and affordable housing and helping people who can't necessarily afford it um, get mortgages in healthy ways, right? Not like in a subprime mortgage kind of way. Um, And, you know, we're... Annie and I are both based in D.C., and there's a bank here that we really love, City First Bank. And when you walk around parts of the city, you can see signs of what they're investing in and what they're supporting. Um, And it's communities that are really, like... That are not, their needs are not being met or thought about by kind of mainstream banks. And you can open a bank account with City First, right? And it's insured just like any other bank. So um, we're really passionate about it. I love the work they're doing, and, and that's why it's sort of become a mission of mine to evangelize what they do. Um, and that's, that was the motivation behind Living Room Finance, is to start talking about this.
3: I think there was and, and you know, to add on to that, that reason of why we started there was there was this power in something as simple as a bank that everyone that you know we know largely has a bank account. And so to get a group of you know leaders and friends and colleagues in the impact space together, you know, people who are actively working in their daytime, you know, jobs and capacities to do impact work. To kind of ask you know where are we keeping our money? what are we doing, and, and how can we kind of regain this power back around our city and the what we 're investing in? because um, I think that oftentimes, especially in cities that are gentrified there's kind of this like I guess this is just how it is, and I guess you know we 're just going to allow this to keep happening and rent is so high and um, and this is a way for us to turn the conversation back to you know, there are power in our numbers, and, you know, we have a say. Um, so getting, you know, when we thought to do this in our living room because we're trying to bring out these dark shadows of money and kind of the, you know, histories of redlining, and we want to bring it back into a cozier space where we can look one another in the, in the eye and get to know one another better and to be in community rather than to be in competition.
1: Hmm. Yes, what I love about that um, is just how it's uh, really relationship-based business and finance and how, as we can... Communicate more openly about money. It's this huge leverage point where we can affect, um, big changes and, uh, and that there are things, uh, like the community development banks that are immediate, you know, action steps that people can bank, uh, make to bank locally and to really see that, um, uh, value circulate in their own communities. And, you know, it's been an exciting part of the whole Standing Rock movement as well as this movement yeah. to divest from Wells Fargo, for example, and how many people have moved their money. And it really brought this attention to even at the municipal level and whole um, cities um, divesting and moving their accounts yeah. out of Wells Fargo really made um, a big impact, I feel, and statement.
3: And that it was super helpful. I mean, that's why I suddenly was like I can't you know like every time I went online I was banking I bank with Bank of America and every time I go online to do anything I got this feeling in my gut of like oh I know what they're doing (laughs) you know I know what this money is doing and like I I'm not just against it I'm like actively working against it in my daily work and so it was like You know, I'd spend all day trying to, you know, strategize, work with different communities, you know, on how do we align with moving agendas forward and feeling aligned. And then I would just, my money would be working against me. And Hmm. it started to feel so horrible that I was like, I have to do something else because this is just like not working for me. And, you know, it's not simple. It was, you know, it's not a simple process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know it you know financial decisions take investment to understand what's going on, and it's been a real learning journey for me of like, what does it take to leave this bank, and can I you know leave it? i do I travel a lot and what works for me in my life, but also what are some of the things that I need to maybe I've grown accustomed to certain comforts of the service level that a bank provides that has kind of anesthetized me to the bigger you know problems that like Maybe I'm willing to give up some like mobile ability, like the you know, the mobile app ability to be able to feel good about where my money is sitting. And you know, also how do we grow in number to allow these services to become more robust? How do community banks meet you know get to be more interactive online? Is they need the customers. And so As a group, we can, you know, as we become more and more customers in these banks, we're going to be able to also influence them, to change them, and to, to, you know, shift them in, in the direction that's more aligned with us as well, which would not happen in a big bank. Right.
1: Yes. So I encourage listeners to search uh, in your local area for a community development bank or credit union or locally owned bank. And there is actually one public uh, bank in North Dakota, and that's also a growing movement. Uh, Looks like they'll have one in the Oakland, California area uh, early next year as well. So that that would be huge as far as shifting our distributing our wealth more evenly and equitably if we were able to have more public banking or cooperative banking endeavors. Um,
2: Yeah. Crystal, I want to just give a shout-out to a good friend of ours who's building a product that will let you actually compare banks to find Mm -hmm. out who's really making an impact, and it's called MightyDeposits.com. And she is launching very soon. So you can sign up for early data access right now.
1: Excellent project. Yeah. Yes. Right. More information as consumers, as, you know, um, financial, sovereign financial beings, having the quality information and and trusted resources for that is so crucial. Um, Yeah. Oh, let's see. Where to go next? Mm. Hmm. Crystal,
2: can I just um, jump on what Annie said? Because I think, you know, this is so important what she brought up. I, you know, so I'm going to just reiterate it. (laughs) One is that she's completely right. This is not a perfect or formed world. You know, it's not like impact investing is this perfect field and everything you want is right there. And there's no moral gray zones when you do it, right? Like it's not, and it's very new. And the idea of impact investing being available to all of us and not just um, super high net worth people is really new. And that's part of why we're doing this work because, as Annie mentioned, like we need to build the demand also. And I think it's... Annie's so right that... And, and I'm so glad you brought up the Dakota Access Pipeline divestment because that is such a great example of, you know, when you really start understanding what's going on, many of us feel that we have no choice but to act. Like, I spent um, an afternoon just looking at, like, I wonder what one of my retirement fund is funds are holding. Like, what are they invested in? And this was a very standard index fund that many people have in their retirement accounts. And it's sort of like the default when you, you know, if you're lucky enough to have an employee-sponsored retirement account and you kind of check the box, like, I'll take the default one, you are gonna probably have a fund like this in it. And when you I just took some time and went on Morningstar and looked at, you know, what are the holdings in this, which means like what are the companies that this fund is invested in? And it was it was all of the things that makes you shudder. It was oil and tobacco and private prisons and nuclear power and weapons and big box retailers and you know, it was like everything that I do not want to be supporting. And if you think about, you may not have a lot of money right now, or you may, right? But the amount of money that you will make in your entire lifetime, that is a lot. That is power, man. That is, that's real. And that is what we want to, that is what we want to talk about, right? Like, what, if I can change my behavior now, even if it's just shifting a little bit, that has such an impact, and if you you know start talking about that to your friends or lobbying your company to start changing the retirement plans, like that is a ripple, like we need to be working towards that
1: so well yeah. said yeah thanks for thanks for really, <laughs> yeah, speaking to that and and I hear that call to action like uh. You know, uh, tell me if this seems accurate, like that you are inspiring people who come to these living room um, discussions, um, which will then I I can see those being um, replicated around the country, really, um, that it's kind of this inspiration, this call to action to become more involved in their financial life. And like you said, anyone with a bank account is an investor. And so I imagine um, the outcomes would be just motivating people, making them aware of some of the options and and also just helping them become more self-aware and comfortable talking about their own um, money situation and their own money past. Um, does that seem yeah. accurate? Yeah.
3: yeah, and I think I think a great uh, you know addition to that is something that Crystal we, we've also spoken about before, is this idea of you know. We're having these in my living room. We're going to have the first one in June. And it's just going to be our friends who are, you know, we have a lot of incredible network of, you know, leaders and colleagues in this impact space. And so it's really about living in the, what I call like the embodiment of our values. And and I believe that when, you know, a group of these, these folks who are actively working on this stuff during the day begin to align their personal in their personal finances with, you know, different alternative financial institutions, but also with one another, the work will also get better. And so I kind of see this as this holistic maturing of this impact sector um, and this ability for us to become stronger and more resilient to the, like, many obstacles that we face and the kind of the vast odds that are against us to feel better about one another, to have, you know, a stronger security net, to feel more love. Um, and and I, so that's kind of, I want to, you know, focus that we're, we're really starting with just like our friends and colleagues who kind of agree with this, with, with the, what's, what, what they want to put behind their money. Um, so it's not just anybody with a bank account and right away for us, because um, I feel like there's such an importance about living in that embodiment and the power it can have in shifting our world.
1: Mm. yes yay super excited Amen. to. Uh, yeah <laughs> we need more of that <laughs> everywhere and and really you know I'd like to uh, touch on also the importance of intergenerational exchange and and you mm. both you know being um, you know in the millennial generation and just um, bringing this forth and if there's anything you'd say um, to women leaders and entrepreneurs who are in this younger generation um, about some of the challenges and, and opportunities um, that, that the youth have today. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I think our generation has been really scarred. We came of age in the, you know, financial crisis, and for many people, it has been really hard to find jobs, and all of a sudden, you start to distrust mainstream financial advice, Um, and it's scary, and, you know, just talking to my cousins who are teachers, and they realize they're probably never going to see a pension, you know, and they're trying to make ends meet both being public school teachers right now, and... So, yeah, you know, I think it's just um, just acknowledging that difficulty and that pain and that fear, um, and, you know, we want to do what we can to form community together to help people work through that and not feel so alone in it, and to provide as many resources as we can to sort of demystify personal finance and some of the things you should be doing with your money mm yeah yeah nicely yeah. yeah yeah and I, I, and
3: and I'll add that that um for the intergenerational piece that I feel like this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know women coming together to regain power and and to lead with the things that we know and the wisdoms that we have um and without to me, it kind of seems like without the full choir um, of voices, and, you know, that means of all generations, we are missing out on something, and we're, you know, not, there's a piece of the puzzle that's that, that's critical, that's missing, and so, you know, as, as great as it is for different generations to come together in silos to, like, understand one another, I'm a part of a lot of communities that are just millennials, there is a dire need for it to be intergenerational and that's a real kind of aim um, of mine in my personal life and my work life so that we don't miss out on these you know unheard voices of you know the aging which is one generation that you know we don't really revere you know in this kind of western culture that we're obsessed with youth and um, and also I think of the young and the old and also of children and how much we underestimate their ability to see things that you know we can't see. I think that as a millennial it's going to be really funny. I know I have little sisters or little siblings and watching them grow up and realizing that there's so much stuff that they know that i don't know. Mm-hmm. There's things that they understand about the world that that is totally unheard of to me and they're um, you know coming coming of age in, in the computer the time of computers, um, just being native to it and so I think that intergenerationally like to for all women to feel that their voice is necessary, of, you know, and, and all people, obviously, um, not just women. I just think that women have a particular time to step forward with a wisdom that's been long, you know, quieted. And so finding spaces where all those voices can be heard, again, is why, you know, we're doing this in my living room, so that it's not this cold kind of, you know,
1: suit-wearing
3: moment. It's bringing money back into the home now.
1: I love mm. that, <laughs> uh, and and the root word of economics is about managing the household, and so it really is uh, traditionally, uh, you know, the women's you know role and place was kind of looking. Mm. To, at the whole big picture and and distributing the resources and protecting the commons and and that kind of role that women played um that was then you know through the patriarchy kind of that power was was taken more into the hands of the men and the people creating the laws and the um, you know owning the the resources and so what I heard you know is like how how we can create this resilience because to acknowledge we're going through this transformational time, no one really knows where it's leading us to how we're going to come out Mm -hmm. the other side. But a lot of people are feeling like on the brink, like we are on the Mm -hmm. brink of something. There's Mm -hmm. a bit of anxiety slash excitement and um, uncertainty and every generation is is feeling the pressure in a unique way and has specific concerns and and that when we can come together and strengthen that fabric of our society through intergenerational conversations and and really just you know aiming for a greater understanding and authentic sharing between the generations, then we create that that fabric of resilience because we are able to um, just really find um, better um, way to be of service really is is kind of what's what 's coming is mm-hmm. by this understanding we can have greater compassion and empathy for, say, the struggles of of a baby boomer who may have lost all their retirement in the 2008 Mm. crisis and is feeling insecure for a variety of of different reasons than the 20-year-old graduating with, um, you know, having college debt and an uncertain job future is feeling a, a whole different set of challenges. And so I think through building that understanding through these, Type of intimate conversations about money, and uh, that we can actually kind of activate our unique genius in in a really um, satisfying way, and, and really find that deep human desire to have meaningful contribution really to the world, and uh, and so let's see, just just to beautiful. open. This.
0: Thank you. <laughs> um, can I? It, that? Oh
2: yeah. Go ahead and respond, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was so beautiful and evocative. Um, I just want to share a quick anecdote that that brought to mind. Um, I went to an impact investing conference, surprise, surprise, and um, a man spoke, was telling his personal story. He was this deeply religious man who had come into money very unexpectedly. And when someone asked him about that and how he feels about his money, he said that, Money is like grace from God, and it moves through me, and I'm just a conduit for that. And I just thought that was so beautiful. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about really just brought that to mind. And this, you know, like this other way we can feel about our capacity, including our money, and, you know, just thinking of it like anything else that just moves through you and comes to you. So I just want to share that. Thanks, Lise. Yeah. What were you going to say, Annie? Oh.
3: Did you want to say something? I said, did you want to? Uh, I, was, uh, I was just going to speak to the, the opportunity, which might be a little bit of a tangent. Um, uh, the opportunity of having intergenerational discussions, I think, is an, an opportunity for us to also slow down, to remember that there's things that we haven't taken into account. Um, and it kind of forces us because there's just more voices that need to be heard and stories that we have rushed over. I think that sometimes our desire for and our urgency that feels very real pushes us from a place of fear and scarcity into action very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult to, you know, take, you know, to have a growth mindset and also have a pace that's, you know, Resonant with the pace of the universe, so that we don't kind of speed ahead, and that allows us to to hear better and to listen to to people we haven't listened to before.
1: Yes, yes, totally crucial. Um, you know, and and to shift to be seen as valuable. No matter what our age, because I hear I was like, "Oh, people believe I'm too young. I don't have experience. I'm not valuable." Have that story running, or it's like, "I'm too old. Mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> valuable anymore. I don't have a place." Mm-hmm. And so there's like, and mm-hmm. and then there's the whole spectrum in between of of different ages. But um, yeah, which so is why
3: worse and money are so linked, right? Like that's it's never enough. You're not young enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough. Like, they, that's, scarcity gets to, to, to inter, you know, it's interwoven in all these things, but then we we attach a lot of it to money and to our identities. So, or yeah. maybe it's like also one of the least talked about.
1: Right, right. And we can discover enoughness together. It's like we're repatterning how we relate to one another in a healthy, mm-hmm. connected, joyful way. How we go not just on the surface of everything's okay, I'm fine, to like, oh, we're willing to talk about our challenges and cry and together and all these mm-hmm. um, more intimate things. So, wow, we've covered a lot of territory today. <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful. I'd love to give each of you a chance to share for a couple minutes um, closing thoughts, reflections, um, any resources or um, places you'd like to direct listeners to.
2: Yeah. Um, Do you want to start, Lisa? Sure, I you know, I, guess I don't even know where to begin. Um, I I feel very inspired by this conversation. So, thank you, Crystal, for you know hosting us and for having us and and you know just treating this topic in such a unique way. Um, and I would love to give a shameless plug here. Um, I am spending a lot of time talking to people and creating resources for them. Um, and I would love nothing more than for people to walk away from this podcast and maybe you know, wonder what they can do in a really concrete way with their money. Um, and so if you head over to my website and sign up, I will be sending out um, really tangible resources on um, how you can move some of your money in a new direction.
1: Great. And what's uh, that? And it's,
2: yeah. Yes, it is
3: shift2impact.com. And I think what's really powerful about what Lisa's doing is, again, this kind of collective lens of, you know, before impact investing wasn't made for your average millennial who just has a savings account or who has, you know, a retirement account. Um, and that was just an illusion that we don't have that power. And And so, you know, as Lisa kind of started from her own journey – of having this retirement account and, like, looking into it and being like, wait a second, there is so many things that we can do. And if we're all doing it together, we can, you know, build better financial products, you know, make sure we're in better screened investments. And it's not as complicated as it seems. And so – but then again, there isn't a lot of places where you can find that information. So she's, like, just kind of pulling down some of the curtains to help with that. Yeah. Thanks, Annie.
2: And, yeah, millennials, non-millennials, anybody – (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're all needed <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <sighs> <sighs> well it's um i especially love that your sisters too it's the first time i've had two guests on at once and just really applaud you for um you know working together and amplifying your impact and your message uh through through this great connection of sisterhood and uh just really encourage listeners to um reflect for a moment and kind of see maybe closing your eyes um what what really stood out for you today was there an aha moment or a message that really touched you And do you feel inspired to take some action in this week towards aligning your values with your money, towards having uh, deeper, more meaningful relationships by having open conversations about money with someone you care about? So those are my two challenges to listeners: to really look at how you personally can align your values with your money, whether it's through your bank account, your investments, um, or your will. How you know any variety of ways, um, and and then looking at money, a few specific money conversations that would bring you um, more intimacy greater understanding and be able to connect uh, in a really meaningful way with someone around money. And so thank you both Annie and Lisa for being uh, leaders in this field, for bringing your enthusiasm, your brilliant minds, your open hearts and your feminine leadership to um, such a masculine Uh, dominated field of money. I really am so excited to um, follow you and and see what kind of resources uh, you bring forth and and how these living room conversations unfold because it's incredibly valuable. And every single person listening, we all have a unique genius to bring forth at this time that is incredibly valuable and needed. And so I want you all to trust your own gifts and abilities and, and be willing to share those with the world. Huh. Thank you oh. so much. Crystal. Mm, thank
3: you. Really
1: grateful. Of course. My pleasure. All right, everyone have a beautiful day.
0: For listening, if you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.